So last week, Dave and I had a bit of a discussion. Um, we're trying to include you in our leadership conversation that we've been having recently. So what are we doing today, David? Uh, well, we're going to keep going with our conversation, but particularly uh, in around, uh, like, I guess here we've got a bit of a prop, but it's like um, roadblocks, like things that stop us from pursuing God's strategy uh, or God's ways for, for stepping forward. Yeah, so um, we've got some slides on the screen that should be able to, to come up. Not that one. <laughs> We're not playing in front of the So, um, So last week we were looking at how in order for us to head to where God wants us to be, we have to be united around three key areas, around our mission, why do we exist, our vision, where are we going, and our strategy, how will we get there? And in the middle, if, if, we, if we agree on those three things, we, we've got unity. Unity is the centre of this. So we were looking last week at how our mission is uh, to know Jesus and make Jesus known. And out of that, where are we going? Well, we're wanting to see people saved, people equipped, people growing and people sent. And, and that's going to be evident when our prayer and our resources and our energy are poured into those things. Yep. And ultimately, our strategy is the how. How do we get there? And it's through pathways of seeing people take steps and next steps in their faith. Any, any other comments, David, anything that stands out to you through that? Oh, look, I think uh, with, with prayer, I think it's, it's crucial through all these things um, that we know that it's, it's the Lord's involved in all these steps. So uh, yeah. uh, prayer is a central component and, and the focus is always on Jesus through all these things. Because if, if these are our agendas... They're just going to be dead ends. That's right. We can get so far with, with, with goodwill and good efforts, but I guess when we know that we're on board with God, and I think you're going to talk about the illustration on the screen, but, you know, like the idea of, of getting stuck in the mud or something, you can get, you can put a lot of effort into something and feel like you're not getting anywhere. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, 2017, two years ago, when I first arrived in, uh, in Korowa, I went out and did a road trip to Broken Hill. I used to be a pastor at church out there, and... Um, it was, I went out there, it was great, it was a 100-year celebration, and as I was coming back, there'd been some rain, and um, there was a patch of the road that was super muddy. Now, uh, I had a Peugeot, which wasn't quite four-drive capability, it was far below that, and um, I got to this point, I got a phone call in the car, pulled over, and at first I was moving, and I thought, oh, something's a bit different, but I'm not sure what it is, and as I'm sliding, I'm realising... Oh my goodness, the wheels are spinning. And at first, like, the fear doesn't hit. It's, it's just like, I can get out of this. And then the wheels start spinning. You put the foot on the accelerator more, and it starts, the engine starts revving, and you're just not moving anywhere. And suddenly the fear hits, and you're like, oh my goodness. And it, in that moment, it was quite terrifying that I was stuck. Like, it didn't matter how much I pushed. I tried, like, jamming things under the tires. I just could not get out, and I needed outside help to come along and try and pull me out. It's a bit like this picture here, although I wasn't in some American trucking. <laughs> um, was remote though, right? You it was remote. remote. The country did look something like that. Um, but I think we can do this as a church. I think as a church, and, and even at a personal level, we can get into a place where we've been doing the same things and we're just stuck. The energy that we're pouring in is just revving the motor, but we're not actually moving forward. And particularly for a church, I think we can get to a point where we're doing lots of things, pouring lots of energy, but not producing outcomes, producing fruit, not actually growing. 
uh, not reaching out further into the community. So it's this whole idea of, of roadblocks. What are the things that are getting us stuck? And I think um, as leadership, as uh, even a lot of conversation with people in this church, there's often this feeling that something isn't quite right. We, we're stuck. Um, yeah, what would you say around that, David? Do you, do you get that sense too? Yeah, I think uh, when you look at the big picture, there's some really, really good things happening, and yet deep down you think, oh, there could be more, so much more. And, and, and when you keep thinking about some of the, the energy that we're pouring into certain ministries or certain areas of church, we're like, well, we're actually not seeing much life in those. Um, and people are really pouring a lot of time and effort into that. And so you sort of think, well, there's got to be stuckness there because, yeah, we're not thriving. And I guess even just thinking that, that it's like that. It's sort of like when you're in a ministry that's thriving or you're in a, 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 a situation yourself where you're just growing, you don't even think about stopping. You don't, you're just like, oh, the Lord's in this. I'm just going to pour everything into it. And you just want to keep going in it. Because you, um, you can see the fruit. Yeah, you, you know it's something that the Lord's at work and, and it's sort of like you make it the priority. But when, when you're uncertain, when things aren't going right, then you've just got to stop and reevaluate. Um, and that's a very healthy thing to stop and reevaluate. Mm, yeah, yeah, so good. So what we're trying to do right now is try and include you in some of these leadership conversations that David and I have been having, that our leadership has been having, and trying to, to get you to... Um, Feel like you're part of this conversation, that you know where we're coming from. And when we're talking about roadblocks, um, David, do you want to hold our roadblock sure. prop for a second? I think there's three, three roadblocks <laughs> that we have in particular in church. Uh, a lack of urgency, misplaced expectations, and target audience. There was a lot for that. Yes, a lack of urgency, misplaced expectations. I'll... I'll I, what does this? What? Why? Why do we automatically know this as a, a stop sign? It's like a. That's like a no go. No go. Yeah. <laughs> We're stuck. Yeah. What is it? Tom, remind me. What's the exact phrase? No entry. No, no entry. entry. No entry. That's right. It's like no, not going to go that way. Yeah. You know, and there's different reasons. So it's three that you just mentioned. Can you put that up, Sterling? Go to the next slide. Uh, so there's like. Uh, or you keep going. More. A couple more. You might come back to that there one. Yeah. So those three things. A lack of urgency, misplaced expectations, and, and like getting confused about who we're trying to target or, or, or reach. reach yeah. yeah. And I guess maybe we'll, we'll try and unpack some of these, but maybe you resonate with some of this already, that there's areas in church that we aren't driven by this urgency. There's areas where maybe our expectations don't line up with our reality. Um, and there's areas where why are we doing what we're doing? Absolutely. Now, if we go back a couple of slides <laughs> to where we were before that, um, the verse that I had on the screen, we've been looking up to this point and through Colossians, and it says this, For we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. Paul is writing to the Colossian church in the first century, and he's saying, which came, this, this love, this, this faith came from the confident hope of what is reserved for you in heaven. Since you had this expectation ever since... You first heard the, word, the truth of the good news. And he says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. So there's this sense in which when the good news is working, it's outward focused. It's, it's being um, propelling. It's propelling people forward into mission. And the second page says, it is bearing fruit everywhere. Notice that, bearing fruit. That's the goal of what it's talking about here. It's bearing fruit everywhere. How? By changing lives. So this comes into our mission. 
which we've been talking about last week. If we're, if we're not bearing fruit by changing lives, we're missing the point. So this is, should be the driving focus. We want to see people's lives transformed and flourishing and, and so radically changed by this good news, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth. So all of this is predicated on the fact that it has to change us first. The moment that we get the gospel, when we realize I am broken and I can't save myself, I am not good enough, but because of God's mercy, because I have been set free and saved and forgiven and loved and justified and, and, and empowered for all that God has called us to do, the moment I realize I've been changed by the gospel, it propels us out. It sends us on mission. It gives us vision and it equips us with strategy. So this is how, like, the gospel changes everything. Absolutely. And we have that overarching hope to say, well, look, there's going to be some struggles or, or, or we're going to face opposition, but we're just going to keep pressing in because of what is to come. Mm. Our, our home is to... Our future is, is in heaven. Yeah. So as we start to look through that lens where it's, it's saying our goal here is to bear fruit through changing lives, does that, is that the driving force behind what we're doing? Are we doing church just because that's what you do at church? And you come to church and you do the things that church does? Or are we actually driven by this deep sense of calling that I'm on a mission? I've, I have a vision from God and I'm propelled with a strategy. Mm. Now, as we get into our roadblocks, our first one is lack of urgency. David, do you want to kick us off there? What does this mean? Well, you know it's very easy to be comfortable. It's very easy to say, oh, look, I'd prefer to go home and have a cup of coffee and do my own thing. I'd prefer to just to take it easy because the reality is um, it is hard work to put our time and effort and prayer and resources into reaching out. So our human tendency is just to say, well, you know what? I'm saved. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. You know, do I really care about those around tick. me? You know, tick. That's right. It's sort of like, do I... Am I actually moved to care about my neighbour? Am I care? Do I care about those around me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know where you feel like we're up to as a church, but when we look at when David and I were talking through this, we feel very much that we've plateaued. We've reached a point where, for a number of years, we have um, been fairly consistent. Um, we there's this sense where it seems like we're doing the right thing, but it's not necessarily going anywhere clearly, and um, David and I were sharing how this is actually a problem right across the Baptist churches where there's just this sense of we're not losing ground but we're not gaining ground we're just stuck mm. and while that can seem okay the big problem there is that we're aging that, that um, even if we're staying at an even par we're doing that and, and losing time along the way absolutely so I think we see that particularly if you look at our um, children's ministry uh, we have less children in our church, and then there's some, some people who are fed into youth, so there's lots of youth which have been fed into that, which is a bit great that that's happened, but there's not younger people coming into the children's ministry, new faces, and um, I think the, the adults are matching that in terms of, 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 of all a few years older. Um, and so it's, it's a reality that if we just keep aging, you know, we might say, oh, well, I feel like we've got young people involved and, and good things happening, if we all just keep ageing, then reality is, is that, you know, that we're on a bit of a downward slope. Yeah, yeah. And, and it should scare us a little bit because I think if we don't have urgency, we'll miss the fact that 
God's mission for us was always urgent. Yes. 95% of Karoa are not here or in any church in the, in, on a Sunday morning. 95% of Karoa are often living with a deep sense of having no hope or purpose for their lives. They're missing the good news of Jesus. That should, that should propel us on mission. If we've, if we've lost that urgency, we've lost the heart of what we're doing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Absolutely. It's sort of, yeah, we can fall into that trap of, of oh, well, let's compare ourselves to our, another church. Oh, well, that church has got no young people, so we're, we're ahead. Or this other church has got something else. Oh, we're ahead. You know, and it's, and it's, what a, what a, it's delusional. It is delusional. When do you read about that in, in the Bible where it's about, um, you know, like everyone had urgency. Everyone was just so aware of the second coming of Jesus that he was returning and that they had a task. Yeah. Uh, they were so determined and focused and, and they yeah. wanted to get the good news out there, even though it was costly to do so. Yeah, yeah. So on our screen, um, in a couple of slides forward, I think it's one, one slide forward again. Uh-huh. So, um, a few of you have been looking through the Unstuck Church material um, with us. This is a, a bunch of strategic notes for getting churches to realise where they're at and propel them forward to where God's called them to be. And if you see this, this um, bell curve here, a lot of churches, when, they, when we uh, look at the research, follow this trend they, they're launched, they're brand new church plants, and they're often experiencing a whole lot of life. The challenge is, will they keep going? Will they actually grow and step into what, what, what's ahead of them? And if they do, they'll get into momentum growth. People keep coming, there's something exciting happening. But as they um, get through momentum growth, the danger here is that it doesn't get structure. It, it, it's, it's exciting things happening, but, but it just falls apart because there's no structure. But if they get structure, they grow into a strategic mode where they know what they're doing and why. And if they keep growing with structure and with momentum, they know what they're doing, they know why they're doing it, and they know how they're doing it, they'll reach sustained health. But the danger here is that it slides. If, if you don't keep moving forward, you can slide into maintenance mode. You can slide where things keep staying the same, and our job is to keep things consistent. Let's just keep what's happening. We've, we've got a good thing here. Let's just keep it safe. And we are concerned about keeping what we like, our preferences. And the danger here is that it starts to fall into preservation mode. Let's preserve what we've got. Let's try and stop the decline rather than pushing for growth. And the danger there is life support. At the end of the day, all that's left is, is, is painful church death mm. what stands out to you in this david oh look i think um you know that's a bell curve it's it's a reality of of churches and we want to be heading closer to god and that means on an upward trajectory uh, and letting other people grow closer to god yeah absolutely and and i think sometimes we can yeah you don't necessarily have to go through every stage that's on the graph mm. uh and sometimes you know if a church has had a lot of christians transfer in it can look a little bit different about how the, that church is existing but yeah, I can relate to, to, to times when I've seen churches grow 
Um, absolutely. Um, times where I've seen churches in life support. I'm sure we've all been to a church and you think, oh, how many days till they close the door Dun-dun. here? Yeah. Uh, that's going to change an almighty work of God to, to, to turn the church around. In a lot of cases, it's better to shut that church down uh, and to say, well, let's start again. If there's people committed, let's start with a new, fresh yeah. start, a new launch with new energy. But yes, it's all all the reality that yeah, we can get in that. Uh, and I agree that, yeah, as we've been saying, we've been, like, we are in a, in a maintenance or a bit of a stuckness at the moment. So this brings us onto our next slide. And this is that we feel like our, our leadership or the people that we talk to, people that read the book went, oh my goodness, we're in maintenance mode. And it's this sense that there's this lack of outward focus where often a strong, strong giving, internal growth, people are actually growing in faith. It seems like this is really good, but it's masking a decline. It's masking the fact that we're aging and we're not reaching out and we're losing that mission. And so there's this lack of clarity. Why do we exist? Where are we going? How are we going to get there? And it's stuck. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's... Uh... A challenge for us because if we just stay in that picture then our future will slowly decay away um, and we want to be seeing people one for Jesus and that the, the, the wonderfulness of the gospel being in our community and yeah the work of God and so yeah we don't want to be stuck and I think maybe out of this as we were just talking before to the degree that we've been changed isn't that the degree that we want others changed like I don't know about you some of you here are Christians right some of you here know that Jesus has changed your life. And like for me, I know that like Jesus has radically changed my life. He's given me purpose and hope and meaning. And if I don't want that for other people, it's so selfish. Mm. So really, to be content with my preferences and my, um, the way I want things and to ignore the fact that if this has changed me, it also needs to be sent out and given out. If, I, if, it's not, if that's not my driving focus, I've, I haven't let the gospel transform the deepest parts of my heart. Oh, and I'm just imagine standing before God at, at the end of time and saying, oh, well, I was comfortable in church. You know, I, I just went along with the, the sway of things and, and just sort of did, did this, the same old and, you know, looked after my family and, you know, did this or did that. And you think, well, were you really honouring God in that? Was that really... Uh, were you really expecting a warm welcome into heaven with, with how we've gone? So that, that terrifies me. <laughs> I think it hopefully terrifies all of us, but not in an unhelpful sense, mm. in the sense that this should propel us forward. And because we, if, if God could do a mighty work in my heart, he can do a mighty work in this church. If God can do a mighty work in changing my perspectives and my, my mistakes, then he can do anything. And we don't have to look at this with... Fear, but with reality check, man. Absolutely. Now, there was a Bible verse I put in. It's right at the end. If we can get a Bible verse at the end, I think this just speaks right into this um, from Matthew 7. Uh, look at this closely. Not everyone who says to be Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, okay, next one. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. Now this verse, it just speaks to me, it challenges me. It's like, oh my goodness, you mean I could be going around the church and, and doing life in a Christian way and yet 
saying it's in the name of Jesus, but missing the key points, yeah. to missing what Jesus called us to. I want to I want to be accountable to God, and, and I want to be that, that warm welcome into heaven. I don't want to be, I can even be cast away. And you might say, well, aren't you saved? Well, I hope so, but I'm going to show that what I do now, I want to do God's will. And even if, it, if, it, if it's difficult, even if it requires lots of effort and time, I want to put the gospel central to my life. Yeah, yeah. So out of that, it, once again, to the degree that we have realized what Jesus has done for us. This is not us trying to be good enough for God. No, you are good enough for God because Jesus has made you right with him. And to the degree that you realize, I can't save myself, but Jesus' death and resurrection means that before God, I am loved and valued and accepted. To the degree that we've got that in the deepest parts of our being, to that degree, we will be sent out taken out of our comfort zone and propelled forward into all that God's got for us. So our first roadblock is a lack of urgency and, and I'm hopeful we realise, no, I, I don't want to lose that urgency. I want to be propelled by that. Yeah, and there was a quote there, on there, uh, which it says, and we go all the way back, so there was a slide, if our goal is to keep everyone happy and connected, we may as well move to life support. Um, if, if our role as pastors or as our church's leadership, if we just want to keep everyone happy and connected then we might as well just move down the end of the... You know, we're not going to grow in God's ways. We're just going to stay a happy group and face some amazing challenges in the future. That God's love should propel us. Absolutely. Yeah. So our next problem, problem number two, is misplaced expectations. This roadblock that really can cause so many issues, I think, is when we have a lack of clarity around our expectations of, of church, of faith, of... Um, leadership, pastors, of my involvement in church, if, if I have a lack of clarity around expectations, it will lead me to absorb everyone else's expectations and fulfill none. To the degree that I realise, like, I'm just taking on other people's, oh, someone wants me to do this, I'll go do that. Someone thinks this is a good idea, I'll go do that. But if we're not driven by, why, why actually do I exist? Where am I going what, what is God calling me to do to get there? If I'm just absorbing other people, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean I fulfill none and miss the whole point. Absolutely. Well, what do you think are some, like some audience participation? What are some expectations we can tell of someone or, or, or just to get sort of projected on someone? What do you think? Particularly in a church context, I'm thinking. What's an expectation? I'll give you a couple of examples to get started. So we can expect, um, uh, for instance, for youth ministry, I'm a youth pastor, the youth can expect the youth to be the, to be the funnest youth group ever, but at the same time, the parents can expect it to be um, that this is the place where the youth are growing. And these two different expectations might need two different <laughs> focuses. If I'm just trying to absorb, this young person wants youth group to be like this, and then this parent wants to be like this, and I'm going to be stretched in different locations rather than actually going where God's calling me. Oh, and some youth parents will say, well, no, it's your responsibility to get my children over the line. You know, it's your job. You know, I'm paying you as the youth pastor. Off you go. Get my children in Jesus. Off you go. You know, uh, you, know off, you know, I've got my own responsibilities at home, so it's your job. Does that sound fair? Well, I don't know whether I'm... I can't save anyone and you can't save anyone. But God uses us. But it does come down to what, what are my expectations? And like even 
David and I were talking about expectations that people have of pastors, of pastors' wives, expectations of what a service has. The music has to be just the right volume. Um, the, the, the level of depth in the message versus the level of application. The clothes that I wear. The uh, expectation of how much we do in church, how long the service is, expectations around how much I'm expected to be involved. There's all of these expectations. And if we're just living off expectations, we're not living out a mission or vision. Absolutely. I think we can all relate to um, parents giving us expectations. Uh, we, we can have, um, sometimes the church can put expectations on us. If you're a ministry or a ministry leader, and uh, sometimes you think, well, are those really healthy? Is that really something, something good? And I, I think Jesus was all about blowing away expectations. Uh, his life was radical, and the religious leaders kept telling him what to do, and he just kept telling them to get back in their place because what they were expecting was not of God. Um, so there's, there's a reality check there that, man, some expectations really aren't of God. And in fact, even religious people can have really upside-down expectations. Yeah, yeah. I love we were talking about this whole example of Jesus challenging expectations. People were expecting Jesus to go and talk to certain people or do certain things. And he would just say, the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. He's like, I'm, I'm here for the sick people, not for the healthy people. And it just messed the religious people up so much because they were like... Oh, but you have to do this, you have to do this. And, and Jesus just turned it all upside down. Yeah, well, I would even say they weren't even healthy. They just didn't, weren't even open to getting help from Jesus. Mm. Uh, it was recognising that this person realises that they're in need. And that's the truth of the gospel. That it is we, the gospel. We want to take it to people that are open to their being in need. Because uh, I guess if someone's really comfortable in their worldly existence and they're not asking questions about God, they'll just completely close off maybe. Like, but, but if someone's open and asking questions, we want to put energy into that space. Yeah. Yeah, and the people that sometimes were the least expected, the ones that are like, like that person interested in Jesus, that Jesus like cared about the ones that didn't meet expectations at all. So misplaced expectations, I think, are a big roadblock for us because our expectations can cloud our view of our mission, our vision, and our strategy. So let's put aside our expectations of church and for a second go, aside from what I know church to be, aside from what I know faith to be, aside from what I even know, like, all of these things, pastors' involvement, church buildings, church uh, services, all of these different things, put that aside for a second and just go, what is driving us? Why do I exist? Why do we exist? Where are we going? Where is God calling us to go? And if we could imagine that afresh, who knows where God could take us? That is such a, an open door. Absolutely. So problem number three is no target audience. Now, we touched on this last week, David. Yes. Um, what do we mean by this? Well, it's saying that um, I think our strategy, and we've been talking a little bit more in the last few years, um, has been to probably reach anyone that's spiritually seeking across every age group uh, in Corowa and the rounds around. So basically, if you were from a baby up to um, someone on your deathbed, uh, if you've got a bit of a vague interest, then we've been trying to do something in that space. Uh, some, better, some age groups better than others, but it's such a, a broad group, uh, and so it means that it's a little bit across all the different ages. Mm. And the fact that we aren't necessarily seeing lots of people wrestling with these questions probably means we're not effective at it. So we've been stretched thin, and 
we might have given a little bit of, of time to different age groups, but really we're not seeing people engage and wrestle with spiritual questions, mm. which, yeah, it comes back to that urgency. What are, we, what are we actually doing about a target audience? Yeah, and I think we can see that. We can say, well, um, we've got a lot of families coming to Mainly Music, and, and, and where are we going with helping those families or getting them on, on closer to God and, and, and working in that space? Or we could say, what about the people that come to um, uh, a, a, the craft group, for example, or, or people that are from an elderly generation that have been joining in or come and have a chat in the op shop? You know, where are we taking people in that space? And, and it's sort of like, are we really presenting Jesus in all these spaces? And do we have pathways for people? Do we yeah. have a place that they can go from where they are to where God's calling them? Yeah, have, invite them to another thing that they, they want to go to and, and want to be a part of, that they've got questions in. Mm. Mm. So... You had an example that you shared with me, David, about Dixon Baptist. Which yeah, so when I was at Dixon Baptist Church, they definitely had a bit of, um, uh, you yeah, know, they had a lot of different things. But one thing that was very clear that was happening there is they had a young adult strategy. And that uh, spoke to me, because that's one reason why I believe now, follow Jesus. And you might say, well, what did that look like? Well, they had a, an evening service that was tailored towards young adults, and young adults were, were, were thoroughly involved. There was um, a... Um, a uh, social activities. We had monthly trips to go skiing or go and do fun activities. There was a Bible study group, which was like go and have a uh, some like hangout time together, have some food, and then break into a study group. And that was probably about 20 people that used to gather there. Uh, there was a lady that used to have uh, an elderly lady. She would cook up a storm, this huge meal, and she would get the young Come people on, over, uh, and she would just feed us heaps of food, and then walk around and like disciple us. Uh, and there was, uh, I was given, I know in that time when I came to faith through that, there was, a, um, I got set up with another uh, man, uh, probably in his, in his 40s, and I was discipled by him. And there was also um, other things taking place um, uh, that were happening. So there were a number of things that were all happening for that, that age group. And it was, sounds like it was really strategic. There was, was this sense yeah. of, like... Uh, an entry point where people can start to engage yeah. and wrestle with the big questions of life, but then this clear trajectory that if you do express interest, we're not just going to go, oh, hey, you yeah. can come join this. There's actually a pathway. Yeah, and there was an alpha courses and, and things that happened, and there was, I can say, at least 10 people I know that were deeply impacted by that and are now doing service in the church somewhere wow. in different ministry. So it's sort of like, well, okay, there was a lot of energy put into one group, but then they've carried on and, and they've, they've, they've really flourished in that. So, yeah, I, I'm first hand, that impacted me. So I'm like, I've seen it um, and uh, I can see. It's not to say that the church didn't care about the other age groups, they did. But there was a focus and it probably helped that the pastor had sons that were in that age bracket to help get some natural buy-in. But, yeah, it was, it was great. And there was stuff not all done at church. Some stuff was done at university. There was heaps of stuff being done. Mm, yeah. So as we finish up, I have a question for you. What does all this mean for you? Maybe you're hearing us talk about church and you're like, oh, this is all good and well for you guys to talk about for the church. But it isn't really relevant to me. Or is it? Because I think maybe I want to challenge you as we think about this mission, vision strategy. This is something to, to build our life on. Mm. Where are you? Like, why are you here? Where are you going? And wh where is God calling you what is God calling you to do within that? And once you get the why, it means that we, we have something more powerful than all of the roadblocks. 
all of the things that we run up against and get stuck in, the, the mud puddles that just, the, where we start to spin our wheels. All of these things are overcome when we're clear where God is saying, why do you exist? Where are you going? How will we get there? Once you get that and it propels your life and you, you, you're deeply built on the why, it means that the roadblocks of life getting stuck are able to be overcome. Overcome? Over, over, whatever. Overcame, something like that. We're able to overcome them by depending and building our life on this why, on the gospel. Once we get that, it sends us out and it helps us to get through these stuck patches. Like, I would love to be in a sweet spot. Like, you know, you hit that golf ball off the sweet spot, that ball goes flying off in the right direction. Like, wouldn't that be that beautiful picture of us as a church being in a place where we stop caring about talking about the cost because people are just throwing their, they're throwing their resources into it. They don't yeah. care. It's just, I'm seeing godly things happen in our midst. I'm going to keep pouring my heart into this. I, yeah. I'm not even going to. I'm going to put time aside. I'm going to make it the priority because I know that God's in this, and I want to see uh, more in that space. I want to. I want to not be comfortable. I want to be urgently doing the things of God because I know that they matter for eternity. Yeah, so good. We're going to pray. So David and I are both going to to pray um, for us. Can I encourage you? Would you lean into this? Would you let this? Be something you reflect over this week. Don't just let this be something that passes you by on a Sunday. Where are you going? What, what, what is your driving? What's the why? How are you going to get there? And let us build our lives and our church on a rock, on the gospel. that cannot be shaken. And let that propel us forward in mission. The let's why pray. Is the why Sorry, is the cross? The why is the cross. The why is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us such a clear mission. You said in in your last commandment to the disciples, go and make disciples. Lord, help that to be our first priority. Mm. Would you help that to be what drives us? And within that, would you give us a vision of where you're calling us to go, a sense of where are we going? And would you, Lord, help us to to have have strategies that honour you and Lord, as we get through these roadblocks of, of, of lack of urgency or misplaced expectations or not knowing who we're trying to reach, would you give us um, the, the, the empowerment through your Holy Spirit to, to get through them? Lord, we don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. But would you do what we can't do? And would you help unite us as a church around this? In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, we, we do ask that you will give us a greater picture of Jesus.